Brilliant. Good morning, Harry Baptist Church. It is wonderful um, to be with you. Um, welcome to those of you that aren't in the room and are at home as well. I realise it's my first online service, so it's quite exciting um, for me. I've spoken through a translator in Bratislava, but I've not done a, an, an online service before, so it's very exciting. Um, so welcome to everybody. It's really lovely um, to be here with you this morning. Now, I promised the really helpful people that got me to park my car this morning, it did take three people to manage it, that my preaching is better than my parking. Um, I didn't set the bar very high with the parking, so... <laughs> Um, but I am, um, I moved to London actually um, when I was at university um, for one year to study, um, do a placement year at the National Institute for Medical Research in Mill Hill, um, which is now some very expensive flats. Um, but I always thought I'd only be in London for a year. Um, I went back to university to finish my degree and then um, God made it very clear that I was coming back to London to do my PhD um, at the National Institute for Medical Research, again, in biochemistry. Um, and I fully intended that it was only going to be for those four years and that I was going to serve the church and the youth group in my free time. Um, and then I met my husband and I've never left. Um, so 11 years later, I'm still kind of in London, um, although we've actually moved out to um, Watford now, although we still attend um, Stanmore Baptist Church. Um, I'm a teacher at St Albans School, um, a science teacher. Um, I'm a mummy to those two bundles of trouble over there. Um, and in my free time, I've kind of come up with this weird way of using my science and my love of God to um, attempt to communicate the gospel to people in different ways. Um, so that's what we're going to try and do here this morning. Um, and this morning, really, um, with the Bible reading and just um, the way that I've been feeling recently um, with lockdown, I really wanted to just um, take a step back and get us to think about God's love for us and what God the Father really means. Now, I know for some people, just that word Father can fill us with all sorts of different feelings and emotions. And that's because there's people have got all sorts of dads. You might have had the world's most amazing dad that's been your champion for your whole life. You might have had an average dad, a not so good dad. You might have a stepdad, a foster parent. You might have adoptive parents. Your dad might have been absent your whole life. You might not even know who he is, or he could even be dead. So for all of us, the word dad brings up a whole host of different feelings and emotions. And for me, when I think of my dad, my dad is great. He's the best grandpa um, in the world. But for me, as a child, my dad provided everything that I needed, but I never, ever felt like my dad was proud of me. And so for me, when I approached God, I always felt like God would meet my needs, but that God would never be proud of me. And so often our earthly dads can project into us what we feel about our heavenly father. So um, we have got a video for you. I like to teach the gospel through the medium of science and Disney. Um, so we are going to watch a short video if Andrew's got the, the tech ability to make it happen. And I'd like you to think about which of these Disney characters perhaps reflect your experiences of father. First day of school! Wake up, wake up! Come on, first day of school! I don't want to go to school. Five more minutes. Let's do that, please. Get out, get out. Stories of what they think you like, but I 
big God. Our God is a great big God. Our God is a great big God. of a dad being is it that sleeping dad and your experience of God as a father is it that sleeping dad that you can't quite get access to that you can't wake up do you think of God as that angry dad like um when Simba disobeyed his father or the little mermaid having to live by God's rules is that how we see God the father to us or is it more of a positive view? Are we seeing him like Goofy's dad was, where he's desperate to spend quality time with us? Or Mulan's father, where he tells her that she is his greatest gift and honour? Is that how you think God sees you? And the video ends with all of those characters saying, I love you, daddy. And how much do we long to approach God in that way? Too, where we can say to him, I love you as my father in heaven. And that we know that he can send us off on great adventures, just like he sent Nemo off at the end, but that he'd be waiting there for us at the end of the day. So God is our heavenly father. He made and created us. And depending on our experiences, we might see him differently. We might see his rules. We might feel like he's ignoring us. We might feel like he's only there when we really need him. But the Bible tells us, no, he is a God that is there for us all the time. He made you. He is proud of you. And he loves you so, so much. The God that made the universe also made you. And I'm going to say it again, because I think we need to reflect on that. The God that made the universe also made you. He wants quality time with you. He made you. He is proud of you. He loves you. Yes, he will show us how the best way to live is to keep us safe because of his love for us. And God ultimately is waiting for those four words from you. I love you, Daddy. God is waiting for those words from you. 
So as a scientist, I like to measure things. And so I was thinking, let's have a little think about how we measure things. So um, I was going to do a bit of a competition. I might still do a bit of a competition, even though we've not got... Are there any of our lovely guests at Parade that would like to volunteer, or does that make you feel really awkward? Yes, brilliant. I love volunteers. Come forward. Um, you can bring a friend and you can compete against each other. She volunteered you, so she could come up now. Brilliant. Okay, so come and join me. So we've got some items on the stage. You two can stand here. Yeah. Come. Oh, are you, are you allowed? Oh, hang on. I hadn't thought that one through. Sorry. Are they allowed on camera? Okay. No, that's fine if you're not. Are you okay coming up? Sorry. You don't have to. Is that okay? Sorry, Andrew. Miss, mishap. <laughs> Brain malfunction. Um, is there an adult volunteer that would like to compete against our parade guests? No. Oh, good. Volunteered. That's all right. We can volunteer Andrew for something later. It's fine. Okay. Come, come, stand, come stand here. So we're going to have a bit of a, a speed competition. Um, yeah, it's all right. We'll get him back later. Don't worry. I've got a good, I've got a good plan now. That's okay. Don't worry. So we've got some items on here for measuring things. So we'll first just, um, just check that you know what they are. So um, do you want to grab something and show it to everyone and tell them what it is? Right, we've got a ruler. Well done. Brilliant. Brian, would you like to grab something and uh, this side of the table? Oh, this side of the table. Yeah, we'll leave this for now. Uh, it's a ah, a measuring cylinder. Well, it's not a measuring cylinder, a measuring beaker. These are measuring cylinders and we've got a beaker. Brilliant. Thank you. Any other items we've got on our table for measuring? Do you know what that one is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is. It's definitely a thermometer. Yeah, it's a thermometer. Don't worry, children. It's a thermometer. Um, brilliant. Going easy. We've got a tape measure. Yeah. Brilliant. We can do that one. Right, what else do we think? A stopwatch or a timer. Fantastic. Last item. A pair of scales. Brilliant. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to we'll, we'll test a, a young brain against a, a slightly a older brain, old. a very slight, a very slightly older brain. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say how, and everyone else in the audience can obviously think of the answers. I'm going to say how would we measure, and the first one of you that grabs the item is the winner. It's that easy. So how would I measure the weight of a piece of fruit? Very good. The younger brain won. How would I measure a child? Sorry? A child. I would go with the tape measure. This is. I'm thinking that would, they would break my scales. But you're right. Yes, if they were, if uh, we had slightly larger scales, we could. How would I measure a drink? Well done, measuring beaker. Very good. Not in my house on those days. That's right. No. <laughs> we need one. This. Well, even that's not. That's only two fifty there. <laughs> Should have bought a bigger one. Uh, how would we measure someone's temperature? Very good. Well done. How would I measure the size of a leaf? Brilliant. I think younger brain might be winning here. And how would I measure the length of a nap? Ah, oh, very good. Okay, next one. How would I measure happiness? 
Oh, well done. Yeah, we have nothing on the table to measure happiness today, but you could measure happiness as well. How would I measure success? By, by winning, yeah, so maybe we've got to measure, so it depends which type of success we're talking about, yeah. Anyone in the audience got any ideas how we could measure success? How would you measure success? Just shout at me, or put your hand up if you want to pretend you're at school, I don't mind. How rich you are, that could be a measure of success. Any other ways, yeah? By your own definition, oh, I like it, getting philosophical. Okay, last question. What could you use to measure love? Love. Have I got anything on the table that can help us? No, no. Okay. Thank you guys. Give them a big round of applause. They can go and sit down. Well done. Thank you. Brilliant. So how do we measure love? And more importantly, how do we measure God's love? Do we measure it in the number of celebrations we have at church, the number of days off work we get for Christian holidays? Do we measure it in the things he does for us? The number of prayers that he answers. Well, three places in the Bible, Psalms, Ezekiel and Thessalonians, talk about our cup overflowing. They talk about our cup overflowing and God giving us more than we need. Now, if something is overflowing, can we measure it? No. So my sense is that God's love is very much like that overflowing cup. Now, what does an overflowing cup look like? Well, I thought I would show you. So this here, this big measuring cylinder is us, empty. But if we allow God to come into us, he will provide an overflowing cup. So we know that God is three things. So we have the Father. Let me get this in the right order, otherwise it could all go wrong. We have the Father. We have the Son, Jesus, and we have the Holy Spirit. And when we allow all three things into our lives, God provides us with an overflowing love that we cannot measure. I now cannot measure the volume of that liquid because it has flowed over the top of our measuring cylinder. And God's love for us is just like this. When it talks in the Bible about God's over... Wow, it's really going. It doesn't normally go that much. <laughs> How much you like your carpet, Harrow? <laughs> this is God's overflowing love for us, church. Okay, it is beyond measure. It keeps going. And when we offer ourselves to him and allow him to come and fill us with his love, this is what God provides for us. To be a child of God is to be loved unconditionally by him. I'm ready for our next one. So we're going to move on now to thinking about God's gifts to us. So we've talked about God's love and how immeasurable God's love is. And we're now going to think what happens as a result of God's love for us. So... What does love mean? Well, the passage that was so beautifully read for us talks about sin. And sin is the bad stuff that we do in our lives. If we do bad stuff, can God still love us? My son is nodding. Right answer, well done. Yes. If you love someone, no matter how bad things get, 
you are still going to stick by them. Now, about 12 years ago, um, I had a goddaughter and she was about 18 months and her parents were off to a Christmas party and they asked me to babysit, which I did joyfully. She was asleep in her cot, her brother was asleep in his bedroom, I was downstairs watching television and munching on the pizza her parents left for me when I heard a very small cry coming from her cot. So I went upstairs to investigate and when I got up there, I stopped at the door because there was a smell. And then I went in to investigate and the poor girl had vomited in her sleep. So I picked her up out of the cot and I put her over my shoulder. As I put her over my shoulder, I was wearing a hoodie and she proceeded to continue vomiting constantly. So I had one hand on this precious baby, one hand speed dialing her parents. But while we were waiting for her parents, I continued to hold this child as she vomited down my back and was saying, it's okay, darling. We're going to get through this. We are going to be okay. There will be a better day. We're okay, darling. Her parents came back, took her off me. I said, why on earth are you so covered in her vomit? And I said, because I love her. And even in all of that mess, I was not going to let her go. I was not going to put her in the cot and let her be on her own. Now, I can let you picture what taking that hoodie off may have looked like. It's okay because her dad had to drive me home at the end of it. But when we love someone, we don't let them go, even in their mess. And I always think, actually, that is how God treats us. When we are at our messiest in life, God grabs hold of us and says, it's okay. Bring your mess to me. I am not letting you go. When we are sinning, God is not the angry father that we saw in that video. He's not saying, you will live by my rules. You will do this, you will do that, or you will leave. He's saying, come here. Let me hold on to you through this. We will get through this together. So we know that God loves us, but there is more to it than that. He chose us, he made us, and he adopted us into his family. Now, our family know about adoption more than others because our two children joined us last summer. And I said to them this morning, what does adoption mean to our family? Can you remember what you said and shout it out, you two? What's it mean? It means staying together forever. That's what my daughter's words were this morning. Adoption means staying together forever. And when God adopts us into his family, he is making that promise to us as well. It means staying together forever. But what our children also know, and the regular line when you do something naughty is, no matter how naughty you are, even if you end up in prison, Mummy and daddy will still love you. Mummy and daddy will still love you. And that's what God's saying. No matter what we do, we, I will still love you. But it's better than that. There's more to come. When we are adopted, we get an inheritance. When we're adopted, we get an inheritance. And when we're adopted by God, we get his inheritance for us. You see, when we love people, we like to give people we love gifts. Anyone want to share the best gift they've ever received? Anybody? We're very quiet. Best gift you've ever received? Yes. 
Amazing. It's her surprise party. Fantastic. Anybody else had an amazing gift? Any of our parade visitors had a, an amazing gift? No? It's hard to think sometimes, isn't it? Probably because we actually get quite a lot of gifts, I think, don't we? Certainly when I think of the pile around our Christmas tree on Christmas morning this year, there was a lot of gifts. And, and children never remember the thing you think they're going to remember, do they? They're more excited by, you know, a bouncy ball or a sweet um, when you've spent all this money on toys. But what the Bible says is if you, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? So we're probably quite good at giving gifts. We're good at receiving gifts. But God is so much better and he gives us gifts out of his love for us. So when we place our identity in God and we say, God, we want to give you our lives, then God gives us gifts in return. Um, now, I'm going to need some help. And so actually, I think payback Andrew time for volunteering Brian, maybe. So, Andrew, if you would like to come over here, and we totally haven't rehearsed this, so it could be quite interesting because I do normally rehearse it. Actually, normally my husband doesn't have a broken foot and would be on standby for major emergencies. There we go, Andrew, if I can pass you that. So I'm going to demonstrate to you a little bit of what I visualize scientifically when I think about God giving us gifts. So... When I'm about to get a gift, how do you feel when you're about to get a gift, church? How do you feel? Shout it out. Excited. You feel excited. Excitement. So we talk a lot in our house about butterflies, don't we, and bubbles in our tummy when we get excited. So I'm just making a few bubbles in here. Right. And then I am going to show you, I am going to receive a gift in a moment, and this is how I picture it. So I'm just going to light you up here, hopefully, when school give you the splints that don't light very easily. There we go. So, these are my bubbles of excitement at receiving a gift. Now, when we receive a gift, what do we do? We put our hands out to receive it, and then step back. Put it in and step back, sorry. Oh, that's the first time this has ever failed. Congratulations, Andrew. <laughs> right, let's try again. I think you went out. There we go. Let's get you burning properly. Brilliant. Right, so again, I've got those bubbles of excitement, and I'm going to put my hands out to receive my gift, which Andrew is going to give me. There we go. You've not seen that before, have you, darling? <laughs> there we go. Now, the Bible talks about God. Should we do it one more time? Yeah, yeah, why not? So, <laughs> the Bible talks about God. Oh, no, no. I could do. Do we, should we set, No, we would, we would rehearse it if I was going to set fire to you. Because sometimes bad words come out of people's mouths when it happens for the first time. Um, yeah. The smell, by the way, is just um, the hairs on my arms burning off. So there we go. Save some money on waxing. So we hold out our hands to receive our gift, and God sends the Holy Spirit. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. Give Andrew a clap for being so brave. So, let's not put that on the floor just in case. So, why do I use fire? Well, the Bible often talks about the Holy Spirit 
coming down like fire. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came on them like flames on their heads. Now, I thought a lot about why we describe it as fire. Fire is powerful. The Holy Spirit is powerful. But it's more than that. For me, when I think about it, when there is a fire, the whole area around that fire is changed, is permanently changed. And actually, when we offer ourselves to God and he sends his Holy Spirit, we are forever changed as well. Just like when that fire comes on a ground, us and our lives are changed as well. Now, there's a story about the first time I ever did this as a newly qualified teacher. Are there any other teachers in the room? Brilliant. So you understand the fear of being a newly qualified teacher, still not quite sure what you're doing, feel like you're just winging it, hope the kids don't realise. So the first time I was doing this experiment in the classroom, I was with a group of year sevens, so 11 and 12 year olds, quite lively boys. And the technician came into the room and said, Dr. Gray, make sure you choose someone you trust to do this experiment with. Now instantly, that makes a very awkward situation in the classroom, because they are all looking at each other thinking, who is she going to pick? Who does she trust the most? So I looked, and there was Matthew with his calculator in his pocket. Homework always in on time, very reliable. There was James who would always be the first one to offer to help, would open the door for you, knew that he cared about me, also very reliable. But in that moment, my eyes clocked Louis, whose homework definitely never was on time, who actually ran out of space on his phone because he had so many selfies that he'd been taking in my lesson once, and who definitely never brought any equipment that he needed for the lesson. But in that moment, I looked at him, and before my brain connected to my mouth, I said, Louis, come and help me with this experiment. And we did it, and actually we did it about 30 times. We minorly singed the ceiling, accidentally got a flame in the projector bulb. It was great fun. We had a really good time. I dismissed the boys at the end of the lesson, and Louis came to my desk, and he handed me a lollipop. I said, Louis, what, what's this for? He said, well, it's my birthday, miss, so I brought some sweets in to share with people, and I just um, really wanted to give you one. I said to him, well, Louis, that's not really how birthdays work, because normally on a birthday, people give you gifts. And he said, Dr. Gray, you have given me the greatest gift of all today, because you trusted me. And therefore, I want to give you this gift in return. You see, when Louis came to the front, the whole class was screaming, Dr. Gray, what are you doing? You are going to die. But I stood firm and let Louis come forward and shared that moment with him. And actually what that meant to him was that I'd shown trust. And how often do we as Christians get people saying to us, that's nonsense, that's rubbish, there's nothing after death, why are you bothering with this? But actually, when we say to God, God, I trust you, God says, that is the greatest gift that you can give me. And now, in return, I am going to give these gifts to you. And the gifts that we've talked about come from the Holy Spirit. Nothing fell over, it's all good. And um, the Bible talks about lots of different gifts. 
But as I've said, fire changes everything. And those gifts, when they come into our hands, when we offer ourselves to God, have the power to change everything in our lives. Now, I'm not going to list all of the gifts because that's a whole separate sermon. But God gives us different things depending on what we need. Think about the gifts that you've been brought. Sometimes there'll be things to wear. Sometimes there'll be experiences and things to do. Sometimes there'll be things to play with, to create with. And God has a whole plethora of gifts to offer us in the same way. He offers us gifts of wisdom, understanding, discernment, gifts of healing, of faith, of miracles, gifts that allow us to communicate with him and to understand what he is saying to us. So I would ask you, church, this morning, no matter where you are at with God, whether you believe in him or not, whether when you look at him you see that angry father, that absent father, or the father that loves you so, so much, I'd like you this morning to consider what part could God play in your life? What could you offer him? And what can he give you in return? So we're going to move into a time of response. So what happened with Louis was that after that lesson, my entire relationship with him changed. He went from the naughty student who never handed in homework to, to still being the naughty student that never handed in homework. But I started to appreciate the little things that he did a lot, lot more. And he started to appreciate me a lot more. And you know what? He is now in upper sixth, which is terrifying and makes me feel very old. So he's now 18. But I, and I've never taught him since he was 11. But he will still say hello to me every time he sees me in the corridor. So even though there's a distance between us in terms of me not teaching him, he will still acknowledge me. So even if you are feeling like there's a huge distance between you and your heavenly father, remember that once you've given him that moment of trust, he is still acknowledging you. And more than that, I mean, this was, is the most beautiful sermon because a student's written it for me by, in his own actions. But we actually had another fire event in the classroom, but it wasn't planned that year. Um, so a student managed to light the gas tap rather than the Bunsen burner, essentially creating a five-foot flamethrower across a desk. Um, which, again, as an NQT, is one of those moments where you see your career ending. Um, now, what it did was set fire to a fringe of, and the smell was quite similar to my arm hair burning just now, actually, set fire to the fringe of one of the students and to all of the paper on the desk. So I rushed over to grab all of the paper, chuck it in the sink, and Louis, every other child, was running around, sort of screaming, messing around. Louis got up, walked over to the emergency gas tap stopper and pressed it. And in that moment, Louis saved all of us from a massive fire and I remember when I told other staff members and he was the last person anyone would have expected to be sensible in that moment but because I'd put my trust in him once before when it came down to it Louis saved us all and God is the same when we put our trust in him he will save us no matter what the situation 
So the response that I would like us to do this morning is um, you should have received from my lovely children a post-it note and a pen as you came in. If you didn't, there's some on the table over there. Um, I'm sure if you put your hands up, someone would run one um, to you. I would like you on that post-it note to write something. It could just be your whole life or just an area of your life that you want to say, God, I am trusting you. So you could just write life. You can draw if you don't want to write. That's fine. Okay, so you could say, God, I'm trusting you with my life. It could be, God, I'm trusting you with my health, my marriage, my friendships, my family. It could be something small. It could be something huge. But what I would like you to do is I would like you to write on that post-it note what you are trusting God with. And then in a moment when we've done that, um, I think we might try and get some music playing in the background so people don't feel uncomfortable. And if you're at home, um, you can, of course, do this as well. When you've written on that post-it note what you want to trust God with, I would like you to come to the table at the front here. I would like you to offer that post-it note to God by sticking it on the table. If you don't want anyone to see it, put it upside down. That's fine. God can still read it. And then I would like you to take a lolly from the pot, just like that lolly that Louis gave me. And I'd like you to take that away with you as a reminder that when we put our trust in God, he gives us good things in return.